A little bit of the bubbly. You're listening to The Wrestling Life on iTunes, SoundCloud, and at obpapparel.com. everybody it's the wrestling life it's episode 209 september 5th 2019 i'm ethan and i'm liam liam back after a long hiatus with so much to talk about and as always but especially this week perhaps more than any other show we've ever done so many things we can't talk about it's gonna be more of a catch-up than anything else it's been like a month since we've done a topical show uh, so much has, has, has been going on. The biggest thing is you went to Chicago for uh, AEW All Out. How was Chicago? Uh, it was fun. Didn't do much besides, you know, see the hotel and the venue and then fly back home. Uh, it was a pretty whirlwind trip. Flew in later on Friday afternoon and uh, flew out early Sunday morning. So it was a pretty quick, pretty quick trip, but wanted to try to avoid the what I'm sure was hell trying to travel on Labor Day. I'm sure it's it's a quite a nightmare day. It's, I think it's one of the most heavily traveled days of the year. So definitely wanted to try to avoid that as best best I could. But uh, yeah, it was it was fun. The event itself was a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, it's 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 we've talked about this before, and we'll we'll get into your your time at uh, Monday Night Raw this past week in a minute here, but. Uh, it's it's tough to not have a good time at a live wrestling show, I think. Um, and it was a lot. It, I had a lot of fun watching this show live, perhaps because I didn't have to listen to Jim Ross on commentary. Mm. Yeah, we've talked uh, kind of minimally uh, about this show uh, offline, but um, I guess positives from a live perspective. You said you saw the best live match you've ever seen. Yeah, that that Young Bucks ladder match is uh, was incredible, and it was to me the best uh, live match I've ever seen. Um, there are some other things that I've seen live that have maybe a little more personal significance to me, um, uh, but as far as just a, you know an in ring athleticism, the effort that those four guys gave was uh, just nothing sort of astonishing. You know, I've, I've seen a lot of Young Bucks ladder matches and, you know, they always have that propensity to top themselves, kind of like the uh, the TLC matches that Edge and the Hardys and everybody had in, back in the day. It's it comes to the point where you're like, well, they can't they can't possibly do something crazier or or or, you know, how can they possibly top themselves? But they did. And uh, being there live for that was pretty incredible the myself and and everyone else that was there you know stood up and gave them an ovation after the match which was richly deserved but yeah i I think that's the best match i've ever seen live wow that is uh that's high praise um let's see uh what do you think of the insufferable online debate this week about whether or not that match should have gone on last or would you have kept page and jericho 
uh, to crown the first AEW World Champion uh, on top. Yeah, I think it had to be Paige and Jericho because it's the first ever world title match. Um, if this, if the Young Bucks match had been for the AEW tag team titles, hmm. and you were trying to make a statement that like, hey, in this company, tag team wrestling is just as important as singles wrestling, so our tag team championships can main event. I would have no problem with that. Mm-hmm. But it was for the AAA tag team titles. And I don't think you can put another company's tag team belts on the line in your main event over top of you crowning your first ever world heavyweight champion. So, yeah, I mean, obviously they couldn't fo- follow it. I think they could have probably also cut that match short uh, uh, a little bit. That, that main event, I think it went a little long. Um, you could probably say that about the whole show. It was uh, like what counting the pre-show was like almost five hours altogether. So it's you probably could have shaved some time off that would have probably helped them get the crowd. But by the end, I will say they were going crazy for the near falls. And say what you will about good family man Chris Irvine. Chris Jericho, the wrestler, is a G-darn wizard because he got a back elbow insanely over with this audience. <laughs> when he hit that elbow, everyone jumped to their feet. Everyone knew it was the finish that no one could possibly kick out of the devastating Judas effect from Chris Judas Jericho. And by God, he didn't. And so, yeah, it's it was it was uh, obviously they couldn't follow it from a from a excitement standpoint. But I think for for what it was, you kind of had to do it that way. And then obviously the big story this week, Jericho took a limousine to a chain restaurant (laughs) And lost the title belt, only to get it back. I mean, you couldn't have bought better free publicity. There's people saying, and even uh, my wife asked me, is this a work? And I said, <laughs> if this, which is a sign that maybe maybe we've all been spending too much time inside the bubble. But sure. <laughs> it's like, if it's a work, they're really dumb because they filed a legit police report about it. <laughs> yeah. Not even but, like WCW ever did that. Right, but it's like, it's everyone's instinct is like, ugh, this business, everything's fake. <laughs> well, yeah, and I think there's a little bit of that, like, that fear of ever being worked yeah. by, you know, by a company. There's part of that. And also, as you mentioned, like, it kind of worked out really well for them because they got the belt back, you know, pretty much immediately. And they got a day's worth of good press and everybody handled it well on social media. Jericho did the video in the hot tub while he was wearing a scarf and his fedora and his sunglasses drinking champagne out of the bottle. Um, And yeah, they, they really made the best out of what, uh, what could have been a really embarrassing thing. And uh, yeah, (laughs) somehow they ended up the better for their, their new world champion getting drunk and and leaving his belt at a a chain steakhouse. Did you catch the reference to that on SmackDown? Uh, I believe it was uh, your friend and mine, Corey Graves, mentioned it during the 24/7 match. Yeah, I think so. He made it. Some, I, it was. I, yeah, someone made a crack about taking a limousine to a chain restaurant. <laughs> yeah, on very Smackdown. good. Yeah. See, nothing wrong with good-natured poking fun like that. Much like, you know, when people get upset that uh, I don't know, they make a WWE joke on being the elite. Uh, it's it's fun and silly, and it deserved to be mocked. So I have no problem with WWE poking a little bit of fun at that, especially in such a minor way. Right. Or like 
naming the page naming the horse that Adam Page rode in on Hunter Horse Helmsley. <laughs> right. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's a ten out of ten. <laughs> right. It's like who could be mad about that? That's a tremendous joke. Hunter Horse Helmsley. <laughs> could not be any happier about it. Uh, Cody Rhodes and uh, the newly married Sean Spears, his real name is like Ronnie Arnold or something. (laughs) I'd like to point that out. His real name is much less cool than any of his worked names. Uh, They had a, uh, what I thought, I enjoyed that the most on the show, maybe because it was emotionally the high point of the show and everything after the Cody match kind of dragged to me. Okay. <laughs> From sitting at home watching it on the couch. Uh, but uh, how did that get over live? It was yeah. It was it was over like Gangbusters. Cody is. I think you. It's funny you can say that because we've talked a long time about Cody as a <laughs> as a worker and especially when he was in New Japan and, and Ring of Honor. Um, but there is something to what you said is that every match he's had. If you go back to the first All In show. Uh, double or nothing with Dustin, uh, and now this match. It's like you could you can make the argument that because of the story that was told, Cody has had the best match on every single AEW show that they've done so far, and or at least you know the most emotional, the the best story was told in the Cody match. Uh, right. Like I said, personally, I, I love the Bucks match a, a lot, but I mean. The coat match was awesome and, and live people were really into it. People loved people loved Cody is a god to, to the AEW audience. Like and you know, Tully Blanchard was a great uh, old school manager. Uh, MJF was such a great cheerleading babyface that everyone assumed he was turning after that match and then he didn't. Yeah. Um and of course, you figure, well, the turn's coming one day, but it didn't come there. So it's a nice little bit of intrigue and build further than that. And then I got, I got to see Arn Anderson deliver a spinebuster, which, got to tell you, was not high on the list of things I expected to ever be able to say I've seen live. Uh, and that was awesome. And that was probably in in the running for the biggest pops of the entire night was when Arn Anderson hit that spinebuster. Um, I also love Cody doing the uh, the stinger no sell, uh, beating his chest, and uh, doing the bionic elbow in his comeback. I think I, you know, I'm, I'm a sucker for a good Dusty tribute. So, um, uh, yeah, that match was was very emotional, and you know, the hero overcame the odds and the cheating and everything, and and he won, and it, it was really good. And yeah, those top matches were, uh, I think, they all delivered. Um, other other thoughts here. Uh, the, the the Luchasaurus and his young companions and uh, SCU should open every show they ever do. <laughs> like as long as they're doing shows, that six man should be their opener. All right. That was I I just thought that was so much fun and those guys are all six of those guys um, just play their roles to perfection. Uh, you know Daniels is such a marvel because he's been doing this for so long and is still good at it. Uh, Kazarian's like the might be the least exciting worker of the three in SCU, and he's still great. And uh, Scorpio Sky is he's enormous and also a tremendous athlete. So I think those guys SCU is a great opening match act, and I thought they paired so well with uh, with Jungle Boy and Marco Stunt, and 
you, know, you beat on the small guys and then finally you get the, the tag made to the to the giant and he runs wild and luchasaurus might be my favorite wrestler right now so uh that i just thought that was a lot of fun and he was super super over to that crowd so yeah that's 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 my uh, my other vote of confidence is that uh, those those six guys should be involved either together or at least one of those teams should be involved in like every opener aew ever does that's fair uh, are you ready for me to take a big old dump all over this show from a a television perspective <laughs> let me have it I, other than a few twitter clips i really don't know what the tv presentation was like so uh, have at it all right jim ross did his best to ruin the show <laughs> um Old sassafras was, yeah paw paw sassafras uh, he was in it he was in his he was in total uh, old school 1991 jim ross call it like a shoot Reference everyone's college football career. Oh. How can, how can a ninety-eight pound woman possibly pin a one hundred forty pound woman? Uh, he didn't he didn't hook the inside leg. Uh, t- crapping all over the hardcore match. Pointing out the guy was holding a cracker barrel on his stomach for the other guy to land on. Pointing out the guys are cooperating uh, and not knowing uh, the names of any of the tag team guys. Uh, not remembering who won the battle royal at the start of the show or what the stipulation was. Uh, the story of the Kenny Omega Pack match was that Omega was passing out in in Pack's submission, whatever right. that, that crucifix crucifix submission. I think they called the brutalizer or something was. And uh, Excalibur, who is really growing on me, but he did not have his best night. Like. He's he's got an impossible job. He's out there working with the, the Golden Boy guy, who is a a perfect third man in the booth. By the way, he doesn't talk too much. He stays in his lane. If he's got something that he thinks is going to add to the presentation, he chimes in. If he has nothing good to say, he stays quiet. Um, yeah, I really liked I really liked Golden <laughs> Boy at the uh, Fighter Fest show. I think that was the one he did. Well, yeah, because yeah. he's an esports guy, so that's the show right. he did. Right. So. Regardless, uh, he's very green at doing wrestling, though. So sure. anyway, Excalibur's really got his hands full, and <laughs> Exc- Excalibur's doing this five-hour show. So Excalibur's trying to tell the story that Omega's going to pass out in the submission, or like, oh no, is he going to is he going to is he going to pass out? What whatever? And Jr's going, by God, his shoulders are down. This could be a three count. <laughs> it's like, do you not have a production meeting? Where you talk about the finish of the matches, <laughs> and right. so that the announcers know what to put over. If you don't, you should have one. And if you do, was Jim asleep? Was he at the bar during the meeting? Like, how do you right. not know? You, he killed. He totally killed the finish of that match. Uh, Orange Cassidy was the big surprise. And uh, uh, Orange Cassidy comes out, and uh, Jim Ross is screaming, Who is it? And Excalibur says, That's Orange Cassidy. Jim Ross says, I know, but who is it? Which totally throws your partner under the bus. You know what I mean? It makes him look like he's an idiot for not explaining verbatim and you know explaining every single element of this character for the, for, right. for the first time. Because Jim doesn't know. Uh, you know, just Jim, Jim Ross 
Uh, I saw people on Twitter speculating that maybe he was drinking during oh. the show, and I didn't get that um, just because I've watched shows where I suspected that Jim was drinking. Yeah. <laughs> and it didn't – this didn't strike me as that. This just struck me as Jim is cranky and wants to, wants to call one product and a different product is being presented and – Everything has passed him by, and he's not adapting well. So, um, the production—I don't know—I heard uh, respected wrestling journalists saying that the production on the show was good. It was certainly better than um, the last pay-per-view, mm-hmm. but it was not—it was not good. It was still very TNA-rific, uh, where you're like missing dives and, uh, you know, weird. Weird camera cuts here and there and, and stuff like that. So they have a long way to go from a tel- pre- presenting a television product. And I guess they'll, you know, they'll get good at it. They'll get good at it quick, you know, come uh, come October 2nd. But this is, you know, very much a uh, WCW slash TNA production crew that they've hired. So <laughs> there's that. Yeah, that's that, that sounds like... <laughs> And especially when and something I noticed, especially in the the women's battle royal on the pre-show, um, there's just there's a lot going on, and they don't do for better or worse, they don't do the WWE thing where two people stand in the center and do their spot while everyone else just sells in the corners. Right. There's right. a lot of moving parts, and I understand. I'm sure the director has his you know his finger his finger on the trigger, and he's trying to catch all these different things. But like it's it's tough to it was that that match specifically was tough to keep up with live. Like mm-hmm. uh, me, both me and my my friend who I was there with missed Austin Kong getting eliminated because we were looking at Brandy getting eliminated and also uh, Mercedes Martinez walking to the ring. Like all three <laughs> of those things happened at the same time, basically. Right. Um. So I'm sure it's it's not easy, and especially if you don't have an a an a crew who is used to, you know shooting high-paced action but also at a certain point if there's 10 things going on as the director you've got to be able to go okay i'm saying this is the most important thing so we're going to keep it trained on this and then we'll show replays of if anything else crazy happens we'll show replays and so yeah sometimes i think you try to shoot everything at once and you miss everything instead of focusing on one thing and then trying to you know catching up later it's again it's not an exact science but as you said, hopefully they'll, uh, you know, they'll have their baptism by fire if they're going to be, you know, doing this live every week on TNT. A thousand percent. And obviously, my other criticism of the show is that nothing needs to be five hours. Right. <laughs> no form of entertainment needs to be five hours. Football games are three hours. Baseball games average three hours. Basketball games are like two and a half hours. Uh, movies are like two hours, two and a half hours whatever you know like yes nothing needs to be five hours Agreed. and the idea of you doing these four times a year or what or whatever and that it's okay to do longer shows because you're only doing four you know tent pole shows a year or whatever no nah, man i don't buy that <laughs> um you could cut out uh the video packages the same video packages that you played on tnt the night before and on the pre-show, you could cut those out of the main show 
and save like a half hour. You know what I mean? <laughs> and yes. S- and send everybody home at four hours and seven minutes or 17 minutes or whatever it was. Yeah, you know, like- actually, I have something of a funny story about that because uh, the way – so we um, we stayed near the airport, which was a while away from the uh, venue. Okay. So um, – my friend set up a, you can set up an uber like 24 hours in advance right so we figured rather than try to jump in the you know the digital waiting room with ev with 10,000 people who are all trying to get ubers when you know when we walk out of the out of the arena let's set this up so we had this set up and he set it for like 1050 1050 to 11 and we're like that's should be fine because we right. were thinking about double or nothing which i think went off the air at like 11:30 Eastern time at the latest. So we're like, even you know, we figured it'll be, you know, we'll be wrapping up. Maybe we'll have to skip the the post match speech or whatever. But you know, that's fine. We'll we'll see them. We'll see the world title match. We'll get going. We'll you know, we'll try to beat the rush out the door anyway. <laughs> they didn't. The main event didn't get into the ring until about 10:30, and then <laughs> they went for 20 minutes. And I think they went off the air. Like, what was it like? Central time, like 10.58 or so. So I, I don't uh, know, because I had to go walk the dog. Uh, so I actually watched this damn show twice. <laughs> <laughs> I missed the end of the, the main event because my I have a I have a life to live. <laughs> my, my dog had to go out. Right. So it was midnight your time. So. Right. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, I so watched even the from show. a live perspective, it was it was too long for for my taste, both because we were waiting on the uh, or trying to make sure our Uber didn't leave. And also uh, and also just because the show was too long. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Well, that's the good and the bad of uh, AEW All Out. Next show is in Baltimore. Ugh. <laughs> They're doing a Starcast in Baltimore as well, which yeah. I'm kind of surprised by. Yeah, seems seems like a quick turnaround for another Starcast. Yeah, I mean maybe they think people will travel because they're doing the Moxley match, Moxley Omega match on that show. They announced that uh, Wednesday, so maybe they just feel like people will travel for that match, so we'll get people in or. I don't know, but uh, yeah, they're doing a Starcast at the convention center, and then uh, from the Royal Farms Arena, the same building where Raw just emanated from uh, this past Monday, they're they're doing their full gear show. So we'll see. Yep. Uh, WWE got the jump on selling tickets to their next show in Baltimore before AEW's tickets went on sale. Uh, if you were in the building at Raw, you got a pre-sale code for the Holiday Week house show. Um, it's a Raw brand house show this year. I think it was SmackDown last year. I'm not sure. But uh, regardless, uh, yeah, the wrestling wars are on. Um, <laughs> NXT to USA happened while we were off. That oh, seems yeah. That seems significant. Yeah, what what just so happens they're gonna be on Wednesday nights from eight to ten as well. What are the odds? Yeah, who who knew? Uh, NXT UK, uh, Tony Storm lost her title, and you uh, speculated to me that well, good time to debut her on the uh, NXT proper would be on the debut on USA. 
I like that idea, considering I think the whole company should be built around her. <laughs> yes, we are we are aware of that. Um, and I believe, uh, spoiler alert, if you if you don't want to spoil it for NXT UK television, uh, fast forward twenty seconds. But uh, she was not on the NXT UK tapings at all. I don't believe so that they taped the day after uh, the UK takeover show. So one would think she's uh, probably heading over to the uh, to Orlando. Um, let's see here. What else we got? Uh, I went to Monday Night Raw. Uh, my favorite wrestler attacked my second favorite wrestler with a steel chair. Mm-hmm. Uh, like my third or fourth favorite wrestler turned heel. Long term, I don't think the association between Bailey and Sasha Banks does either one of them any good. <laughs> I mm. just, um, particularly Banks, I just think her ceiling is higher than like being in a buddy tag team. <laughs> uh, but in the building, uh, tremendous turn. Tremendous reaction. Uh, crowd was chanting, yes, yes, yes. Um, yes. <laughs> Quite a job they've done with Becky over the last six months. People were just popping for the turn, though, because Becky got a great re- great reaction. That's true, but I just I can't imagine, like, six months ago, people cheering wildly if <laughs> Bailey hit Becky with a steel chair. So, sure. I think, yes, I think it was more of a hooray, something's happening, and B, hooray, they're doing something with Bailey, uh, but it certainly was because on you know on SmackDown she got a pretty mixed reaction the next night so it's it's not as if it's you know they've ruined her or anything but it did strike me as like I can't imagine this happening even like six months ago and now here we are yeah uh, notes for stuff you might not have seen on television uh, Sarah Logan beat um, Dana Brooke with a Kinshasa <laughs> ah. The main event uh, feud of a lifetime. I think they wrestle on every single main event. Yeah. Yep. And uh, let's see. Mojo Raleigh beat somebody or other. Uh, no way, Jose with oh, an no. Alabama wow. with, with an Alabama slam. No way, Jose still have green hair. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I feel <laughs> <laughs> poor guy. <laughs> I was in the, I was in the fifth row. Uh, there were not a lot of tickets sold for this show. Uh, lo- looked like maybe 4,000 to me in the building. Um, although I thought three or 4,000 last time, and the number was reported at like 5,000 in the Observer the next week. So I don't know. Maybe I'm totally off, but my guess would be 4,000. Okay. Uh, a lot of the building curtained off. And it's like the one side, the hard camera side is usually curtained off when they come when they come here they set it up for i don't know seven or eight thousand yeah but there was a lot more of the building curtained off too <laughs> so um anyway it's about all i got to add from monday night raw uh it was, it was a relatively good time there was a guy the chairs ringside are very small and the guy sitting next to me he was a lot smaller than i am actually mm-hmm. He was probably 130 pounds, but he could not sit still, and he bumped me 847 times uh, throughout the show. He then he also had his two young children with him at the show. One of them was uh, of an appropriate age to be at a, at a live entertainment event, um, but she could not see because she's three feet tall. 
And sure. the other child was still like a baby in arms kind of child. Oh. And then that then he was holding the baby and the baby started hitting me. Um, so so that was going on. And the man directly in front of me uh, had horrendous body odor. Just cool. Horrendous body odor. So I get to smell body odor and get hit for three hours. Well, awesome. That's, that's that's a shame. But at least you got some. This was I thought it was a pretty decent show for modern raw standards. For my, like, I I left feeling great. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know. Well, you would. Like, my two favorite wrestlers are uh, feuding, and are gonna have a match uh, within driving distance. By the way, in two weeks. <laughs> um, <laughs> I can't go because New Japan's ruining my life this month. <laughs> but uh, I considered it for a minute. Yeah, so I'm I'm excited about um and they seem to be positioning them at like the key segments on the show because their segments have done well. Um the at least at the start here of the feud, maybe because the less you're on TV, the more over you are. And yeah. so people people are still intrigued uh, to see Sasha Banks back. But um anyway, regardless, uh, Raw was more 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 good than bad uh this week. Got to see beautiful Baron Corbin up close. Yeah, I left before his uh, dark match main event with Seth Rollins. Wow, two <laughs> two Baron Corbin matches. I can't believe they didn't sell more tickets. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was actually surprised that they were delivering a dark match. Uh, they Often they advertise those locally for like weeks and months ahead of time, and then the night of the show they just pretend like it never happened. But yeah. <laughs> But they were they actually made an announcement at like ten twenty or something, like, stay here, everybody, after the show goes off the air, we still have our main event. Okay. Mm-hmm. Alrighty. Um let's see, what else here? Um the thing about the camera adding ten pounds is a thousand percent true. If you were to watch television, you would think that maybe Nikki Cross or Sarah Logan were a little bit on the heavier side. And if you see them live, it looks like they never eat. They never eat. <laughs> like, it's the camera adds at least ten pounds. Okay. Well, <laughs> we're all making discoveries this week. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think that's about uh, all I should say. <laughs> that's. <laughs> I think I I would agree. Uh, so as we are, are recording here uh, late on Wednesday night. There's some we have breaking news. Uh-oh. Uh oh. There's been a shakeup uh, to the lead writers for Raw and SmackDown. Uh, Ryan Ward, who has been the lead writer for SmackDown, uh, is out. And the official story is he's going on personal leave. Huh. But uh, Vince McMahon tearing up SmackDown like three of the last four weeks has <laughs> has apparently got him sent home. Ed Kosky has been moved from head writer of Raw to SmackDown. And he'll work with Bischoff. Koski's been with the company for more than 18 years. Mm. And is currently has the title of Vice President of Creative Writing. And Jonathan Backstrom has taken over as the lead writer for Raw. He'll work under Paul Heyman. And he's been the lead writer for 205 Live since November 2016. Mm. So, a little bit of a shake up there. That's interesting. So Ryan Ward was like the wonderkind who was the head writer of NXT and then was the writer on SmackDown when people pretended it was good. 
when the brand split first happened. Um, yeah. Actually, nah, some of that was good. I mean, the main events were good, but I mean, undercards were pretty crappy on those shows. But anyway, um, and then, yeah, it's, I hadn't heard his name mentioned in a really long time, perhaps because uh, Vince has been... <laughs> Uh, Vince has been tearing up his scripts more often than not, so I wasn't even aware that he was still the head writer, mostly because, you know, there was the Road Dog era where we blamed all our problems on the Road Dog. Right. And, uh, and then we moved on from that when Road Dog uh, left and he's doing whatever he's doing in, in NXT now. And, uh, and I just, I honestly didn't know who was, who was writing SmackDown other than that, you know, when they, when they announced the Bischoff thing, but. So, yeah, that's that's interesting that he had held on for this long before uh, apparently finally either he had enough or uh, Vince had enough of him, one or the other. Yeah, he had a reputation for being a creep with the women. Oh, well, that's. <laughs> well, all right, that's then I don't <laughs> then I have nothing else to say. Consider who's delivering this news to you, by the way, and what I just talked about. <laughs> Correct. Speaking of, Scarlett Bordeaux uh, got a tryout today for WWE. I'm actually kind of surprised by that, just because her gimmick is so hypersexualized, and hmm. that's not really. I mean, they have people like Vanessa Bourne, I guess, in NXT, who like their gimmick is that they're hot. So I guess she can be like one of the the hot mean girls, but it's just it's just her her gimmick is not PG. I would say that. To me, it's been the biggest no. I have not been able to figure out for a long time how she has not somehow ended up there. I mean, well, she like, does check every box. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we'll see if anything comes from that. Uh, New Japan had their London show on Fight TV. Can I bury Fight TV? Sure. Go right ahead. Every time I've purchased a show live... Uh, on Fight TV, there have been significant technical issues. Uh, the um, All In show last year couldn't couldn't even watch it on Fight TV. Hmm. Had to double order it. Had to order it on pay per view. Um, an Impact show that I had to watch for work this year. Uh, significant tech technical issues. That show was from I don't know New York or Texas or something. Uh, New Japan and Australia significant technical issues. And New Japan in London, uh, significant technical issues. So we're on three different continents here, uh, major technical issues every time. I like if you can't present a product, then, you know, just offer it on demand. Like, (laughs) right. You're charging people for a service that you ultimately cannot provide. And I'm I'm sick of it. I hate when I see that a show is going to be on Fight TV. (laughs) Yeah. And I guess it's because I guess New Japan doesn't want to bring all of their people and broadcasting stuff to England. So they can't air it live on New Japan World. But again, then just record it and put it up later. Put it up, you know, on a 12 or 24 hour delay or whatever. Like, I I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't get why you're, other than the obvious reason is that you can get a little bit of extra money on top of your New Japan World subscriptions by, you know, having special events be available first on fight and then added on demand a week or two later or whatever. Yeah. So anyway, New Japan had the London show. 
great main event. Kenta got knocked out in his match. Just absolutely terrifying. Um, and they kept going for a while after he got knocked out, right? Sure did. Sure did. Yep. And yep. Yep. Mm. Not good, man. Not good. Who's the ref in that match? Do you remember? I'm pretty sure it was Red Shoes. Wasn't he also the ref in the Hangman Omega match from like last year where Hangman got his bell rung? Couldn't possibly recall. I'm pretty sure he was. I'm just saying, if the wrestlers aren't going to stop it, and they never will, especially in New Japan, refs got to stop it. How about this? How about you join the 21st century and you give your refs an earpiece? <laughs> and you notice that, hey, this guy got knocked out. And by the way, the finish to the Kenta match where he got knocked out was a run-in anyway. <laughs> right. Go ahead and run the guys in. Give the ref an earpiece. Tell the ref, look, he got knocked out. If you don't want to do the WWE thing and stop the match, you can at least call for the finish early and do your run-in and tell the referee, hey, the run-in's coming. Tell the guys the run-in's coming and end and the match early that way. Like, But no, they are... Very much stuck in a different era of this industry. Yeah, it's it's a shame because there's so much that I love about New Japan's presentation. And, and obviously we have such incredible athletes. And it's just, yeah, I'd really like to see somebody. Because, again, the wrestler, I mean, that's, the wrestler is never going to say, hey, this match needs to stop. Um, so you've got to have a ref or someone backstage who can talk to the ref, as you said that can stop it for them, or at least, as you said, go right to the finish. Um, because, yeah, that 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 really can't and, and shouldn't happen anymore. And it's, it's embarrassing that that happened on a, on a major promotion show. Yep. So they're on their uh, Road to Destruction tour right now. I'm staying up uh, all night, every night this week, watching those shows. So, so I guess they're going to do Okada Sonata again in November. Uh, October. Or October, sorry. Yeah. So you got the just three destruction shows this month, and then King of Pro Wrestling, uh, first week of October, is like the show where somebody usually defends the briefcase and stuff. Gotcha. So that's, uh, that'll, I guess that's the next big show. That's, I don't know. I've seen Okada Sonata so many times this year, and it's always really good. But uh, I just want, and I've talked, I know I've talked to you about this both off and on the air, but I just want them to do a match. Where, where Sonata doesn't let go of the Dragon Sleeper. Because every <laughs> single match that they have had this year, he puts him in the Dragon Sleeper, Okada is about to pass out, like they're about to do the arm raise thing, and Sonata lets him go and tries to hit a moonsault, and then Okada gets his knees up, and then usually they go to the finish from there. So, like, I just... even And even in the match that Sonata won during the G1, they didn't... He still did that. So I just, I just won one match where... He just he just keeps him in the hold like he starts to get up for the moonsault and then just gets back down and puts him back in the hold and you do whatever finish you're gonna do from there. That's all I ask. Yeah, yeah, that uh, I got no problems with that. Uh, you want to do a TWU list of people that should uh, qu- quit WWE this week? Yeah, I think that's uh, it's about time we, we we're bringing it back. I was of course struck by. Um, They've they've been doing some interesting things with with uh, with one Chad Gable on television recently, and uh, that is to have everyone make fun of him and call him a short loser, and then he never has a comeback. 
So, <laughs> um, and I'm sure their their answer would be, well, he's winning matches in this tournament. It's like, okay, sure. Um, until he doesn't anymore because he's short. Even though, again, he's not demonstrably smaller than like Daniel Bryan or Ali or Buddy Murphy or any of those guys that are normal heavyweights and they don't know when bats an eye or talks about how small they are, but whatever. Anyway, Chad Gable, my number one, who should quit. Uh, my number two, Finn Balor, my number three, Ember Moon, just because let's be honest, writing's on the wall now, especially with, uh, especially with everyone sort of moving on. They're doing a double turn with Charlotte and Bailey. So they'll be feuding until like February and, uh, you know, Sasha and Becky are going on the other show, and Ember's just not going to be on the show no more, so she should leave too. There's my three. All right, I've got uh, Ali. He should mm-hmm. quit. He should quit. Sure. Um, it seemed like they were doing something with him for a little while, and then he got hurt, and then rather than plug him back into the same spot where he was before he got hurt, they decided to make a story out of he lost his opportunity when he got hurt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's just, like, really backwards. Perhaps you would think he would, like, start a feud with the guy who injured him. Yeah, no, that didn't happen. And then, like, they were trying these weird vignettes that, I don't, they weren't my cup of tea, but if you liked them, cool, you know. Like, these things where he was a superhero or Mm -hmm. uh, something like that. convincing teenagers not to drink and stuff. Yeah, like, they weren't my cup of tea, but... I think people thought they were getting him over, getting him over, and then they just kind of dropped those. <laughs> yeah, like, like they very clearly have given up on Ali, and he's very talented, and he should he should quit. Uh, and then uh, one that uh, struck uh, always stands out, but you know now that they're like they're jobbers on one show, and then they're lackeys for Randy Orton on the other show, or sometimes on both shows on the same show. Uh, the revival should absolutely quit, uh, even if it's just go home and you know sitting out the next eighteen months or however long yeah, is left in their pack, contract. Yeah, sure, just just quit. And uh, something that stood out to me this week after watching SmackDown, uh, Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville should a thousand percent quit. Uh, they're both at a level in the ring where I think they're on the cusp of being really good, actually. <laughs> Like, yeah, I think they're they're passable to solid to sometimes good now. But I think if they went somewhere else and had maybe a little different voice uh, in their ear coaching them up, they could be really good. (laughs) Yeah. And for whatever reason, like I thought the idea when Mandy got to the main roster, was they didn't want to, they didn't want to do too much too fast with her because they thought she was going to be a superstar. But that was like two years ago now. Yes. <laughs> it's like we're two years of TV time where she loses all the time, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they don't take her seriously. She's got like stripper music, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I think she's like. Um, she changed her gear up to be a little bit like when Trish Stratus decided she wanted to be taken seriously as a wrestler and started wearing like a shirt and long pants. <laughs> <laughs> like she's she's changed her gear up a little bit. She and Sonya are are a good team. Sonya obviously is very valuable from a public relations standpoint as well because of her 
personal life. Like, they should quit. Yeah. <laughs> they should leave. Yeah, I remember seeing Sonya work a dark match at a SmackDown taping I went to a couple years ago with Asuka. And granted, it was with Asuka. But I remember thinking then, like, she's not, like, really good yet. But I think she's going to be one day. And that was, like, two years ago. And she's pretty much the same that she was two years ago. And I don't necessarily (laughs) fault her for that. Because how much better can you get having, you know, two-minute TV matches and maybe seven-minute, you know, eight-woman tag matches on house shows? Like, you're not you're not really going to improve and certainly not in the, in that, you know, that's so formulaic WWE style. So, yeah, I think for for their own uh, for their own uh, improvement, I think I think those are two great choices, both Mandy and Sonya. Like fundamentally, they have a thing where they both know how to move. They move like athletes rather yes. than someone who's like doing choreographed dance steps or something <laughs> like that's Carmella. like. Right, and it's like such a difficult. You, like you can't teach that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So that's who should quit. Uh, anything else you want to get into this week? No, I think we can uh, we can kind of wrap it up here. I'm sure there are some stories we're uh, we're forgetting about or something, but it's for for God's sake, it's been a month, yeah. and uh, a lot of it's old news by now anyway. So we just wanted to catch up on the the important things and discuss our our live experiences from the past week. And yep. uh, hey, who who knew you went to Raw and I went to All Out in Chicago and we both had for for our own enjoyments <laughs> about an equal amount of fun, I think. Yeah, I think so. Uh, by the way, I'm starting a new business. I'm calling it. Uh, I went to Hawaii for a, a few days, by the way. Thank you for uh, watching the dog <laughs> so that so that I could go to Hawaii. It's my nephew, Archie. Yeah, uh, I was uh, I had to it was a working vacation. I had to work a little bit every day, but um, I was I would do work on this balcony in uh, uh, on Maui, and mm-hmm. I would you could see turtles swimming by in the ocean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I also went uh, snorkeling uh, with dolphins and turtles. Tremendous. How about Turtle Observer Radio? <laughs> 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 I was struck with this idea to start. Start a website with a podcast called Turtle Observer Radio. I love it. It's got it's got legs. We'll kick it or around. Flippers, whatever. Turtle fat. Yeah, yeah. All right, everybody. Uh, Till next time. I'm Ethan. And I'm Liam. We'll, we'll be back soon with more Turtle Observer Radio. <laughs> Goodbye. Thanks for listening to The Wrestling Life, a part of the Elite Podcast Network at obpapparel.com. For other podcasts like this, head to obpapparel.com. The Wrestling Life is brought to you by OBP Apparel. For Baltimore's best local sports gear, head to obpapparel.com. Whether it's baseball or football season, we've got you covered with Baltimore's best local sports gear. That's obpapparel.com.
Thanks for listening to The Wrestling Life, a part of the Elite Podcast Network at obpapparel.com. Be sure to go and subscribe to us on iTunes. Just search for The Wrestling Life on the iTunes store. Make sure you leave a review and tell us how we're doing. Also, be sure to follow the guys on Twitter at TWL underscore podcast for live tweets during wrestling events and other hilarity throughout the week. That's at TWL underscore podcast. Now back to the guys. best thing you've ever said <laughs> turtle observer review. oh it's tremendous okay hey, i think that's a turtle it is a turtle what kind of turtle is it not sure <laughs> i'm just i just observe the turtles i don't classify the turtle oh, we, we tell you when we see turtles we don't <laughs> we don't explain what kind of turtle it is we give the turtle, star, turtle. we give the turtle star ratings <laughs> Five shells. <laughs> I went struggling, and I saw one turtle, and then, then a few minutes later, I saw what I thought was the same turtle. So, huh, that guy looks like three times bigger than what I just saw two minutes ago. And then I realized, no, there were two turtles. Turtle one big, one small. Yeah. Do you know that's a fe- uh, they're federally protected, and if you touch a turtle, you can, like, get fined $10,000? Wow. I mean... Good, I guess. If, I'm sure if, if they're federally protected, there's probably a good reason for it. But wow. My question though is like, you know, they throw, they, you take these snorkel boats and you get dumped out in the ocean, and you're so, like, what if the turtle touches you? Right. Also, who's gonna tattle on me if I touch a turtle? <laughs> <laughs> Second of all, do you think if I'm like, if there's a turtle a foot away from me, do you think I'm not gonna touch the turtle? <laughs> it's like I'm going to touch the turtle. Are you admitting to a federal crime right now? I didn't touch a turtle. <laughs> but if I had the opportunity, I was simply a turtle observer. <laughs> but if, if the opportunity to touch a turtle had presented itself, I would have done so and not been a mere turtle observer. <laughs> That's a different show. Right. Turtle observer radio. <laughs> I try to keep on keeping on.